Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley. On the other side of the mic is my man, Scotty D. Scotty D, say what up to the people. What up, people? Hey, man, I want to thank everybody for being here on the Triple Threat Podcast today. I want to thank everybody, first off, for subscribing to the Triple Threat Podcast. I want to thank everybody for following us on Twitter, Instagram. We sure appreciate it. And then we also have it on YouTube as well. So make sure you're following us and watching us on all the different platforms that we have the triple threat podcast today we got a pretty good show man we got a lot going on obviously a lot going on in the sports world i got my man monty ortel joining the show he is the executive i mean the executive director of the gwinnett sports commission and also uh, a part of the mitsubishi electric classic he runs that tournament uh he's been doing it for a very long time he's going to give us some insight on the tour championship going to give us some insight on some of his favorite courses but also is going to give us a little background on how these unique events are actually uh, put together. Um, I, I'm a guy who loves golf. I talk about it every single week on the Triple Threat Podcast, and he's going to give us some insight on some of those cool courses we got going on. Scotty D, let's jump right into it, man. We got a lot going go. on, man. NFL, let's start in the NFL world. Uh, we're one week away from some ball happening, Texas and Chiefs. Are happening on Thursday. Next Thursday, it's gonna be fun to watch those guys. The Chiefs just received their rings. Did you see the Chiefs' <laughs> Super Bowl rings? When's it gonna stop? I mean, they just keep getting bigger oh, and bigger. It's gonna be over, my, fit around my wrist at some point. Oh my goodness! I'm talking about monster of a ring. I mean, I saw a couple guys ring. It looked like it covered uh, the index finger and the ring finger, and it was sitting on that second <laughs> finger right there. So I was like, man, these are monster rings. Definitely deserving of those Super Bowl rings. So congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs on that. Joe Mixon this week signed a big four-year, $48 million extension with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, now you, you think about you helping that young rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow uh, with a consistent run game. Now you add Burrow, Mixon, you got A.J. Green, you got Tyler Boyd. You got a nice nucleus and collection of guys to that offense and Mixon said they could be really special. What do you think about Joe Mixon getting that that, that contract from Come the on. Bengals? You're trying to set me up. You know I don't like giving running backs I huge know. contracts. I know. I, I know. don't think it's – I mean, it's it's par for the course, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a great running back. You got to pay somebody. Though, Bengals man. ain't Come my on. team, though, so I don't worry about him hurting their salary cap. <laughs> Other running back news, Leonard Fournette got, re- got released earlier this week. Uh, actually, out on Monday, the Jags let him go. He had some turmoil time there down in Jacksonville. Now he's trying to file a grievance against the Jags for a $4.1 million salary that the team actually voided. They didn't even pick up his fifth-year option. And you're talking about a guy over time who I still think is one of the top backs in the league. I think he still can be a guy who can play pay dividends for you down the road. And yeah. and I say it like this. When you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars, when you went into a game, 
when you talked about the Jacksonville Jags offense, the first thing you talked about is who we got to stop. Yeah. You got to stop Leonard Fournette. Absolutely. You didn't talk about we got to worry about Minshew. We got to worry about Blake Bortles. You didn't worry about all that. Right. You worried about stopping Leonard Fournette. Now, obviously, he had some some things go on throughout that uh, time there, and maybe that's a good thing. Well, what did you think about when you saw Leonard Fournette, you know, this close to the season being released by the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, timing is weird. Yeah. I feel like there's something out there that's going to pop soon. Yep. But um, and and and, and really, I, I feel like there's there's got to be more than we know. Right. I just it's so hard to to watch him not be what I thought he was going to be when he came to the league. True. I remember his his couple years at LSU. Man, he Running was just a man among boys. That's what he looked like. Yeah. And I, so I'm just I'm at a loss. And but the timing is really really odd. Right. I wonder if we'll have uh, in one week we're sitting here and we have a little On bit a different of different team. Little well, we may have an idea of what really happened. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, over the next couple of days, possibly he'll get picked up by somebody. I mean, there there's a lot of things that can go on throughout a year where you need a dependable back in his league. So mm-hmm. wishing Leonard Fournette well. Hope he gets onto a team. Let's talk some QBs now. A couple guys this week were named the starter of their particular team. We saw mm-hmm. the Chargers named Tyrod Taylor, who will be starring uh, for them. Uh, Haskins over with Washington uh, was named the starter over Alex Smith. Um, but I know there's a, a couple rookies I know everybody's looking forward to. We know Joe Burrow. He's been named a starter yeah. since uh, he left LSU. Uh, before drafting started, everybody thought about him. But you still got Tua, who's out there in Miami. You're talking about Jalen Hurts, who's in Philly. You got uh, Eason, who's out in Indianapolis uh, behind Phillip Rivers. Uh, Jordan Love, who is behind Aaron Rodgers. Out of those guys, who do you think has a better opportunity to start Maybe not week one. Jordan Love. Jordan. No, no, sorry. Jalen Hurts. Week. Um, okay. If I say week five. Jalen Hurts. How many of these guys are starting? Oh. Between uh, you got Burrow. Okay, Tua, yeah, Herbert, I'll, go, Love. I'll go through them. Okay. Fitzpatrick's going to do his job. Okay. I, I don't think Tua. Mr. I don't think Tua will get in this year. Okay. Um, Tyrod Taylor is going to struggle to keep his job. I mean, I'm just going on these guys' track record, right? Okay. He's going to struggle. So, so I think Justin Why Herbert. Why is Tyrod has a shot. Taylor going to struggle? I think everywhere he's been, he's struggled to keep his job. I don't think. I don't think he's not talented. I don't I, think Baker Mayfield gets his job as early as he does if Tyrod Taylor does not get, get hurt. hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. You might be right. Yeah, and that was the reason why he was thrust into that. Now mm-hmm. Tyrod's always been. He hasn't put up all the big numbers, but he wins. He's right. you know, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Don't put up big numbers, but he's a guy that's been steady. So if he can stay healthy, he may you know stab off Herbert for a little bit. But when they draft a guy that high. You well, you know, and Herbert was was what round did Herbert go in? Herbert's Fourth round. Mm-hmm. He was expected to go a lot higher than that. So mm-hmm. I may just kind of be living in in the past of last year of what he what they thought he was going to be. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have a hard time giving his job up. But I did read yesterday, which was kind of nice because I don't he didn't he didn't take the news of them drafting a quarterback very well. Yeah, but he's come out and said I don't want to have the same relationship I had with Favre when I came out. Um, you say you say first round for Herbert because Herbert's first round. Yeah, yeah, Herbert's first round. I was thinking of Eason. Oh yeah, yeah, you're thinking Eason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking they, of Eason. They sorry. do look alike though. They well, do they look mean, alike. Uh, I'm telling you. And they, they're, they're both Washington and Oregon. Yes, yeah. they're both six five, six six. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. misspoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll doubt, no doubt. So yeah, Eason. I Eason could, I could be see in because yeah, yeah. he's backing up a 64 year old quarterback <laughs> in Indy. So so you I actually think he has a shot. Hurts, uh, but Hurts I think is Hurts the is the one. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you. Because when's they going to stay healthy? You're right about it. He ain't never been healthy. That's for sure. And 
as good as Carson Wentz is, there are going to be a game or two where he's going to be nicked up. He's he already been, been nicked up. He's already been nicked up a couple of times in practice in this training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely going to change what they look like. But I think Tua, Tua finds his way in the lineup. I think so. Um, Jordan Love, I don't see Jordan Love playing at all unless, unless he, there's a blowout or injury. There's no way Jordan Love takes it from Aaron Rodgers. I still think Aaron Rodgers is top five quarterback in the league. Um, and you say Jacob Beeson, you say he's, you think he got a chance to play this year? Well, I don't know. It's not like it's not like Philip Rivers has an injury yeah, history. Phil, I mean, Phil, he's, pretty, he's been, been around, very man. durable. I'm with you. But you never know when, uh, you know, when – those aches and pains start yeah. with those older dudes. Other news, Alvin Kamara was talked about all throughout the week about not showing to practice. He actually showed to practice on Wednesday. I know there's some contract disputes with him, but he was in practice on Wednesday. Hopefully they get a deal done with Alvin Kamara because he is a important piece to that Saints team. Um, as Falcons fans, you I know they don't want to hear that. You should I know be they don't want to hear that. that. I understand. I, I don't understand. want it to work out. I want I, to come home. <laughs> you want to leave? Come home. Oh, man. All right. Let's get to the big topic of the week. A lot of people were up in arms about Kirk Cousins this week. Kirk Cousins was on a, a podcast earlier this week, and he had some choice words. And here's some of the things that Kirk Cousins had to say. If one is the person who says masks are stupid, you're all a bunch of lemmings, and 10 is I'm not leaving my master bathroom for the next 10 years, where do you land? <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody stupid for the trouble <laughs> it could get me in, but I'm about a point zero 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 one. Yeah. Really? How come? Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I, again, I want to respect what other people's concerns are, but for me personally, if you're just talking, no one else can get the virus. What is your concern if you could get it? I I would say I'm gonna, I'm going to go about my daily life. If I get it, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to let nature do its course. Uh, uh, survival of the fittest kind of an approach, and just say yeah. if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. Uh, I'm I'm going to be okay. Uh, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. So that's that's really where I fall on it. Initially, when I heard those comments, I was a little perturbed. Sounds I bad. mean, it's it, it it sounds really bad and. For me, I looked at it as he didn't show any compassion. There was no empathy for people mm-hmm. who actually does, who have the virus and who have died, died I mean, from the virus. The family, yeah. So to hear that part of it, it makes you sit back and say, this guy doesn't have any compassion for anybody that has gone through this particular issue. Mm-hmm. What do you? What, what was your first initial thoughts when you heard it? I was just, I, was, I just, it, it's, it just amazes me what what people could say without. Well, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it yeah. seemed very cavalier. Yeah. But DJ, I did a little research. I actually listened to the quote and like, I think a lot of people that attacked him. Let's take a listen to that. Well, I think they're going to try really hard. I think more than anything, it was just, we didn't, we don't, we didn't or don't have information. And I think that's what people wanted was whatever it's going to be, whatever the protocols are going to be, whether it's extremely safe, whether there is some risk involved, we would like to know what it is. What are we signing up for? And I think as we got closer to camp and we did not have that information, it became harder to feel comfortable going back to camp, even if it was going to be very safe, just because we didn't know. And I think we're still trying to figure that out. But then we asked people who we think might be in the know and their answer back is, I don't know either. I'm in the dark. Uh-huh. So that just further shows how unique this is. And, uh, you know, the more we know whether it's risky or not, we at least then can make an informed decision. 
What do you think is going to be like, like, you know, the first time you're doing like a full team period and you're in the huddle with the full offense and you know, Rudolph has like a huge sneeze. Does everybody freak out? It's, it's odd, right? <laughs> what do you do? Well, I even think within the building, there's going to be a dichotomy of people who couldn't care less about the virus, have no concern about it, have never lost a minute of sleep about it. And then you get people on the other side of the spectrum who every second of every day, they're mm-hmm. consumed with fear about it. And so what you don't know is who's where on the spectrum when you first go back. And so some of it is just, you know, when you're with a smaller group and you know, everyone in the group, you know, is not as concerned, then, you know, is there a way to not freak out when someone sneezes? But then the flip side is, yeah, if you're in a huddle and you know, one of these guys is, is deathly concerned about it, you're not going to disrespect him and sneeze in his face. So we've just (laughs) got to factor in our audience and the situation. But I mean, we're talking about wearing face shields and yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to breathe at practice if we're doing that. But at the same time, if, if that's the protocol and we have to abide by it to have a season, we've got to find a way to make it work. Uh, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. So that's, that's really where I fall on it. So my opinion, you know, wearing a mask and, and is really about being respectful to other people. It really has nothing to do with my own personal, personal thoughts. So Yes, he says this quotable thing that is is just clickbait, and I'm so I'm so angry with clickbait right now. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. what everybody latched onto and jumped onto. Right. And I wonder how many of the pundits that were that, that were you know blasting him on ESPN and everywhere else did they actually watch the show? Yeah. Because I, I that's what I decided to do, and I don't always do that. Sometimes I fall for it too, right? Mm-hmm. But look, again, what he said was cavalier, but he acknowledged that it needs to be done. And that's yeah. how I feel. I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not wearing a mask when I'm at my house mm-hmm. in, in my bathroom, mm-hmm. brushing my, you know, that doesn't make any sense, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm not wearing a mask all the time, but when I go in stores, I wear a mask. When I go, am I going to be around other people? I got a, I got my son's first high school football game ever on Friday. Yeah. I'm going to wear a mask out there. And that's what I'm saying. Everybody, Everybody has to be conscious of where you're at and yeah. of other people. Yeah. And I can understand your opinion of whether you like it or you don't like mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's just part of life. People don't like it. I mean, when I first started, when I first got married, I hated to wear my ring because I never wore any jewelry. Right. But I know you should wear your ring it because of yeah. it means something. So I think it's similar to wearing masks, man. It's one of those type of things where you got to be considerate of, of other people. You got to make sure that you're doing what everybody you know, says is right. And I know there's a lot of things out there that say masks don't, you know, protect you fully and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, let's just do our best to protect everybody. The consensus is that it's better. We're better off with them. Absolutely. So, so uh, uh, all the backlash that Kirk Cousins got, I think everybody needs to go back and listen to the full interview and mm-hmm. hear that he, he does go back and talk about it in a way where he understands the world we're living in. And, you know, hopefully... He's in that position to to move forward. All right. Last thing, the NFL announced Tuesday that 10 players and other than team personnel tested positive during August 21st through the 29th. Now, that's over 58,621 tests given during that time, which included 23,279 tests to 2,000 players and 35,000 to over 5,900 personnel. So, that's a lot of tests to have 10 players, only 10 players test positive. So hopefully guys continue to trend in the right direction and uh, we continue to have some football next week and don't have any more outbreaks. Let's jump into, I know you were a fan of some stuff that's going on in baseball, right? 
Some funny stuff going some funny. on in baseball. What, 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 what's going on between these Yanks and these Rays? Well, they developed quite the rivalry, right? Yeah. The Yankees were odds-on favorites to at least be in the World Series, and um, they're not in first place in their own division right now. Yeah. And they're getting their brains beat in by the Tampa Bay Rays. Right. So there's been some bad blood brewing, and it's actually been happening, I think, I think for a couple years. I don't watch that rivalry too closely, but it's been happening for a while. Well, the other night, there was some uh, headhunting going on. <laughs> And this is what the this is what the uh, Rays manager had to say about it. We've gone battles, and look, you're going to get some of this at the time when you're playing a short season with so many games, but it's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees. Uh, certainly, the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. They hit Joey Wendell intentionally in the first inning. It was clear as day. Chapman comes in, he throws three different balls up and in. I get it. They don't like being thrown up and in, but enough's enough. We're talking about a 100-mile-an-hour fastball over a young man's head. It just it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's poor, poor judgment, poor judgment, poor coaching. It's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. The chirping from the dugout. I, I mean, somebody would have to tell me, go pull the numbers, who's hit who more. Uh, but I can assure you, other than the – Three years ago, there hasn't been one pitch thrown with intent from any of our guys, period. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. So that's what Kevin Cash had to say about things. And uh, I thought I thought it was funny because I don't care. Now, the Yankees got wind of this real quick before they even did their post game, So they had some unpleasant things to, to say about it but again you take things out of context he bro, said i've throwing, got i've got the arms to do it if we need to do it he bro, wasn't threatening that's crazy you 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 got you talking about you got dudes that could throw 98 at my head that's a problem he's just saying that he's just saying he he can they I can, can, do, they it can too. do it back yeah well whatever you want so he that's basically said you want the smoke i got it right right <laughs> so yeah so that's just some of the interesting stuff in baseball you know like the uh you know houston's still barely over 500 it's interesting what happens when you don't have crowd noise to drown out some cheating. For sure. I and uh, Miami and San Francisco. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Miami and San Francisco, uh, nobody thought they'd do anything. They're, yeah, they're Miami in playoff. started out like doo-doo. Well, they're, they're in playoff position. Yeah. And, and, and Miami made some moves in the, in the, the trade deadline last week or uh, early this week. Okay. And, man, the Padres are fun baseball. If you want to watch fun baseball, watch them. They got some fun young guys. They, they got some dudes to get out of. Yeah, and they just traded for Mike Clevenger, who's going to be their ace, going to walk in and be their ace. Dude, so I like that name, Clevenger. They're going like to be, uh, yeah, be fun to watch. As a Dodgers fan, I'm not excited about them improving, but it's, it's, good, it's good for baseball. You, you really root against when they're not playing your team. I mean, that's just you are really against them. So that's that's the baseball news. Make okay. sure you guys uh, follow us on on social media, please. That's how we uh, that's how we can grow this thing. Y'all heard Scott? He said please. So please, please. he mentioned please. You. All right, Triple Threat Podcast. Make sure you follow us, man. We Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us also on our YouTube channel as well. So continue to follow. We appreciate that. Moving on. College football. Biggest news out of college football this week is the Big Ten. The Big Ten basically. A little bit of backpedaling, little crow, just, little just, crow a, just a small bit of backpedaling. The only thing that that really got to me was Big Ten was talking about possibly starting their season in November, and they're saying late November or even early January. And for me, I feel like they were so quick to jump out there and say we're going to postpone our season when 
in actuality, it looks like they really wish they could be playing. They really wish they left that door open because at this moment, no teams have been practicing. Right. Nobody's been together. How are you going to get these guys ready to play and in football shape to go play major college football and they haven't been out there practicing, getting their you know time well, down and all that. So that I, I, I find it utterly just ridiculous that the Big Ten is even talking about it. Well, that's is that not why they're pushing it? They're saying they can't play till November. I mean, the the thing is, how are they going to participate in the playoff? If you're talking about you're going to play in November, why did you even postpone it? Period. If there's conversation about it now, you shouldn't even have postponed it. And Right now, there's talks going on with the ADs who, who ADs and the athletic directors and the coaches want to play as soon as possible. They have to kind of bring a plan and proposal to the, the presidents on how they're going to keep everything safe and keep all the players safe. But my thing is, you never should have post, you never should have canceled it and postponed it at the beginning of the year if you're going to come back now. And the Big Ten acknowledged that presidents and chancellors voted 11-3 to to postpone the fall season. And the three schools who said they voted against it was Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio okay. State. So those you know three schools wanted to play. Yeah, they wanted to play. So the Big Ten right now is in our familiar territory, and everybody's looking at them like, you guys are ridiculous. Tell me again about what, what, kind, of, what kind of champions they're trying to have. Oh, man, it, it's ridiculous. So they're saying – there should be a champion in the fall. And then if they have another season in the spring, there should be co-champions. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you laughed because that's exactly what everybody in college football is going to laugh at. If you try to have a co-champion in the spring, not going to happen. Nobody's going to be all for that. So if the Big Ten wants football, man, it's going to be tough to happen. Everybody's going to look at all uh, the 80s and the presidents and chancellors like, you guys I've never seen you know they're so proud of their academics deservingly so yeah. up there but they they look like clown schools right now clown schools for sure all right Big Ten get it together man get it together ACC SEC Big 12 they ready to go a couple weeks before we get ready for mm-hmm. some real football uh, we've had some good football last couple weeks actually had some mm-hmm. high school football come out you had, we saw Austin P and uh, have, a, have a game the other night which was actually pretty exciting to watch so football is back Big Ten wants a piece of it we know that for sure Last but not least, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Well, not the Finals, but we got NBA playoffs happening right now. We got some really cool series. Uh, Denver and Utah just had probably one of the more classic series that happened in the playoffs going mm. back and forth. Mm. Man, you're talking about Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell going back and forth, dropping 40, 50 pieces. Game 7 was one to watch. Uh, yeah, they dropped Tuesday all those night. points until. Until. What do you think seven. about Game 7? That was so disappointing. It was a letdown because they, they build you up for all those 40, 50-point games, and they don't give it to you. But so I our, love the way it came down to the end, though. Our crack research crew, <laughs> I, I got my calculator up, and I did the numbers. You know what these two teams were averaging for that that series? What? Uh, Utah was averaging 119 points, yeah, and Denver was averaging 115 points. Man, I'm and they, they the final score was 80 to 78. Last night, or hey, game seven, game seven, man. It was it, it was competitive, but I never seen so many uh, missed layups, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it got tight at town end. Milwaukee loses another game one. Mm. Oh man, that happened last series. But you know who who, who I'm with, man. Jimmy B, man. Jimmy Butler is balling right now. Jimmy Butler is taking over. He told his teammates, "Hey, look, I'm probably not gonna pass the ball. That's what's gonna happen." He was hot. He was feeling it. Jimmy Butler has been lighting it up inside the bubble. One of the 
top players in the bubble. The Lakers are well rested as well. Looking forward to their round two uh, series. So a lot going on in the NBA, man. It's been exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually glad I didn't know what was going to happen in this bubble, how guys will be playing, but it looks like guys are just at run and shoot, playing around and having a good time. So uh, NBA NBA playoffs going to be full effect, man. Who, who you got? Who you got right now? Call your shot. It's hard. So yeah, two weeks ago, last time we talked about NBA on the floor, we said, we said, LeBron James can't score 23 points and expect his team to win. True. That's when they went down one nothing. True. The next game, he scored 10 points, and they won. Yeah. And then they won, and then they won, and then they won. Yeah. So that was disappointing, first of all. I was that was <laughs> so, I thought that was going to be an awesome series. But it's making it me really – it's making it really hard to pick against L.A., yeah. the Lakers, that is. They're hitting on all cylinders. I mean, they got the most big man I've ever seen in my life on that team who can run. And, and LeBron's playing at a high level. You got a great chance. AD's playing at a high level. They're two yeah. toughest guys to stop. I can't pick against them coming out of the West, and then the East, it, it's a it's a mess. Boston, although Boston, Boston's Boston showed they haven't up lost now. a playoff game yet. Boston showed up now. I mean, ha, right? They they swept they swept the they swept the Sixers, yeah, and they're and they haven't yeah they haven't lost a playoff game yet. I mean, Tatum is balling. I mean, they, so they Boston, got, Milwaukee, and uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah. I don't. Know, that's a toss up, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I think. Most of those series will probably go six, seven games. Oh, mm-hmm. Boston, Boston, where they playing, they may try to close things out early and get some more rest. But, man, I'm looking forward to our next conversation, man. We Obviously, the Tour Championship is coming to East Lake this weekend. The top 30 players are coming to East Lake for the Tour Championship. FedEx Cup is on the line. And I got a guy coming up next who's going to talk about it, who knows all about the golf world and knows exactly who you should be putting your money on the tour championship make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel if you're watching us y'all heard please subscribe man he hit you with the please all right my man monty tales coming up next Triple Threat Podcast is a good friend of mine, my man Monty Ortel, who is the executive director of Gwinnett Sports Commission, Mitsubishi Electric Classic. I mean, this guy has done it all. He's been around the golf world for a very long time, and uh, I'm just glad to have him on with a big weekend ahead of us with the Tour Championship involved. But before we get to all that, let me introduce you guys to a good friend of mine, my man Monty. Monty, how you doing, man? How you doing throughout all this uh, trying times, I should say, uh, with COVID-19 and everything going on. How's your world? Well, the world's good. It, it seems like it's upside down for most everybody in, in the sports world, but uh, we're starting to get closer and closer to normalcy, which is, I hope this isn't the norm, uh, but uh, it's it's an interesting time to be uh, not only doing what I'm doing, but you, know, you look across every single uh, sports entity or category out there, and it's... Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. It's <laughs> it's 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 tough to navigate sometimes, and you're making yeah. decisions, and just hope hope that it's the best. So, uh, definitely excited for um, you know seeing a lot of these uh, leagues get going, whether it's in a bubble or not in a bubble. But it's it's uh, it's good to see things starting to get back. Yeah, yeah. Before we talk any golf, before we get into all the good things that are going on in the world of golf, and every week on the show, Monty, I always end. Uh, talking about some golf so as you know I'm an avid golfer I love golfer but before we get into that let's go back to early years of Monty Ortiz and talk about some of the things he loves to do 
I was reading some stuff on you, man. I, I saw that you you grew up loving baseball and you played basketball, and you didn't pick up golf until your early teen years. Talk about those years early on before golf even became something you thought about. You thought you were going to be a baseball player, right? Yeah, like growing up uh, playing little league and then Babe Ruth, and uh, in fact, watch, watching the game last, the Braves last night, I was I leaned over to my wife and said, "Boy, I always wanted to be a pitcher." <laughs> I know, um, right? And uh, and and uh, but no, I grew up playing baseball. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, until uh, age thirteen, and then we moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, when we moved down to Charlotte, and basketball was always there, um, and so I fell in love with. Um, basketball because of just the environment we were in and kind of kind of excelled at it and um, went and uh, only picked up golf in, in high school and uh, because I didn't want to play um, anything else during the off season of basketball and so I said well let's let's play some golf and um, then went to uh, Columbia Union College a Division two school uh, in Maryland and played four years of basketball and then um, yeah, just uh, just started started to pick the game back up after college, and and um, but yeah, basketball was my love during my teens, and uh, just kind of stumbled into golf and, and loved it. So, no, I think what what kind of hooper were you? Though? I mean, were you were a uh, I can get you eight to ten points a game, or were you like a guy who was coming off pick and rolls and was dropping dimes on people? I mean, you're twenty point game guy, or what? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, I sure wish I knew when I was a junior and senior what I knew when I was a freshman and sophomore. <laughs> let's put it that way. And as a college athlete yourself, you probably uh, no look doubt. back and go, boy, I wish I did X, Y, and Z um, my freshman and sophomore year. But, no, I, I, I cracked into the starting lineup uh, 10 games to go in my freshman season uh, and, and didn't give it up. Um, but I like to shoot the ball. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I ain't on mind that. So, you went to college, went to Washington Abington University, played some college ball. Uh, when you first went to college, you wanted to go into law. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I was just. You sound surprised. You sound surprised I did my homework on you, Monty. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you did. I don't know where you found those articles, but yes. Uh, no, I, I did. I, uh, we were growing up, we had some close friends that were in real estate law. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the time, uh, pre-08 and, and when kind of the market kind of went down, I, uh, they were, they were making a good living. And yeah. I said, shoot, if I can, if I can get in there and, and get into real estate, uh, I can provide for my family and have a nice life. But after the first year, uh, going through the history classes and starting <laughs> to dive into it, I pivoted real quick. Uh, and, and, and how about this pivot from history pre-law to physical education. How about that? <laughs> yeah, you went on the other so side went, for sure. He was like, oh. yeah, so, yeah, so I went from history classes uh, my freshman year to step aerobics. And uh, what, 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 Say that again? To what? <laughs> step aerobics. How about that? <laughs> well, I guess you, you're you're in shape fit guy, so I guess it was in you back then. So <laughs> step aerobics fit right so, in. So either history classes or volleyball, step aerobics, and basketball. <laughs> Listen, it, it, I, I made the quick pivot. All right. And then uh, I read where you always wanted to be a basketball coach too, right? I mean, you, you talked about some of the skills you had in, in college. You wanted to be a basketball coach. Obviously, that goes into the phys ed part of it. And what happened with you becoming a basketball coach? Well, that it, 
that was interesting too because I, you know, playing four years of college, being a, a, a captain of of um, of my basketball team, and, and just loving the sport and seeing. And again, you can attest to this too, kind of how those developmental years of young men from age 18 to 21 or 22 um, and being able to, what I learned for over those four years of team work ethic, leadership, uh, diversity in, in different, different people's thoughts and beliefs and how to come together as a team. And I said, you know what, if I can stay with basketball and develop uh, young men and do what I love to do and be around what I love to do. Let me see if this is, this is a route I want to take. So, um, you know, I, I took a year off, didn't take a year off, but after I graduated, moved back to Charlotte, mm-hmm. taught for a year with all intentions of going back and getting my master's degree, um, to be more, I don't know, more well positioned, mm-hmm. uh, to coach college basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and make a little bit more money than just you know, 25, 30 grand, um, uh, you know, on the end of the bench, uh, and, and maybe teach some classes on the side. And so that's what I ended up doing. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how life kind of takes you in different paths. Part of my master's program at Slipper Rock university, there was an internship at a PGA tour event, uh, called the 84 lumber classic in Pennsylvania. And, um, I ended up, uh, taking that internship and working 90 hours a week, I fell in love. Mm. And that, that was kind of a life-changing moment for me. Playing golf, having the ability to be able to run some of these unique, like you mentioned, 84 Lumber Classic. You, you talk about in 2006, went to Turning Shore Resort and was the tourney operations yep. manager there for three years. And then in 2010, you go and uh, you have this, the role at the Green Bar, which I'm sure a lot of people – know exactly about the Green Bar. Talk about those experiences uh, back in 2006. They didn't have an opportunity to go to Green Bar. What you learned from those different responsibilities at those, you know, major uh, events. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because each, each tournament, even, even the position I'm in now, each tournament has uh, its own unique makeup. Right. Uh, different city, different golf course, uh, different host organization. Uh, different vibe and feeling and, and atmosphere. And, you know, you look at, and I'll compare it, uh, I'll make this comparison, you look at the race, Phoenix Waste Management Open mm-hmm. out in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one of those. Uh, and then you go to RBC Heritage down at Hilton Head, mm-hmm. and that's got a complete different vibe. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned was, A, you, you, you work hard. Um, you work, work hard to get where you want to be. Um, you listen more than you talk. And, uh, and, and things kind of progress. And um, each one of those experiences, you know, the 84 Lumber Classic to Turning Stone Resort Championship, starting a, a, a brand new tournament at both Turning Stone and the Greenbrier Classic was, was a challenge in, in itself. And you could kind of create and put the pieces in. It's, it's basically running a business. It just happens to be played in one week. Uh, and, and it's a professional golf event, but it's a business. And uh, learning the different uh, components of operations, sponsors, title relations, the player components, the PGA Tour, which is the league, uh, the charitable aspect of it, how do you integrate yourself into the community. And each Mm. step of the way, as I got more and more responsibility at each uh, position, you you, you pick up uh, different aspects and you apply them. 
and uh, you throw the ones out that don't work and, and hold on to the ones that do. So each step of the way, it was um, it's a good maturation process for me uh, during, you know, looking backwards to where I am now. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of things in there that I liked and, uh, about learning to, to listen more than you talk, and I think that goes to everything in life. And uh, obviously we talk to a lot of athletes on this podcast. We talk to uh, different people who have these type of relationships and uh, you're in that same boat of continue to learn throughout the process. And uh, I think it's cool to hear that uh, a lot of people don't know what it takes to go into uh, building uh, one of these unique events. I think everybody just turns on the TV and you see it happening on, you know, Thursday through Sunday and don't know uh, the things that, that come from it. Um, talk about where the role you're in now in the Mitsubishi electric classic. I mean, I've been to it. Uh, numerous amounts of times. It's a well-run event for sure. Uh, but the, the the champions part of it is a little bit different from what people see on the PGA Tour. Talk about the difference in between what goes into the champions part of it as far as, you know, you got guys who've been well-established. They've already had, you know, wins. They've done good stuff, and now they're continuing their career till you know, now. So talk about the, the Mitsubishi Electric Classic and all the things that have to go into making that uh, a stellar event. Yeah, and and you hit the nail on the head. It's um, and, and I was having a conversation earlier today about this. Um, you know, you look at the PGA Tour and you look at the PGA Tour champions. Um, just one of the most glaring uh, differences between the two is our tour is 50 years and older to be able to to participate on our tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the PGA Tour, uh, in the PGA Tour champions. You know, the, one of the biggest differences that I had to kind of adjust to is I can actually talk uh, to the players on our tour versus going through an agent, going through the wife, going through the girlfriend, going through the <laughs> caddy to get to a player. Yeah. And and really, you know, the biggest difference is the guys on our tour have been established. They've they've had a good career. For most of them, have had a good career, have earned a lot of money. Um, but they still have that burn to compete. And, and the biggest thing that I say is the guys on the PG tour are trying to make a living. Right. The guys on our tour appreciate what they've been able to accomplish mm-hmm. and still want to compete. And so the, the, the mentality of, of being able to give back approachable, um, you know, I think it's their, their, they almost take on the responsibility of giving back to a, the sponsors, B the patrons, um, and, and they're much more approachable and, um, but it's interesting. They'll tell you the guys that beat me when I was 30 are beating me when I'm 55. <laughs> so <Yeah>. <laughs> they're still competitive. Uh, they still are playing for a, a huge chunk of change. Uh, but the whole environment around our event is we try to make it where it's relaxed. It's, right. um, it's, it, the, the fans are approachable. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's just a different vibe and it's, it's something, uh, from a leadership standpoint, I wouldn't say it's less stress, but it's more manageable and enjoyable stress because it's just, it, it's just a good vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the biggest differences. I think the guys on, on the PGA tour champions get it. Um, and, and there's a lot, um, they're more reflective than trying to say, okay, I'm trying to keep my card. I'm trying to be in the top 125 or right. 120 or make it to the tour championship and <laughs> top 30, um, you know, 
Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's a little bit different, but I'm telling you, these guys are great, um, and every single one of them are recognizable. Um, uh, you know, you, you you go down the list of, of who's playing on our tour these days, and um, it, it's 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 not a it's not a hard sell to figure out who these guys are and um, what they what they've accomplished and what they still can accomplish. Oh man, that's pretty cool. I, I was reading some other stuff about. Uh, you talking about this particular tournament, and uh, I read where you said the number one goal of this tourney, this event, is not to fill pockets of anyone, but to support charities. And I think that speaks volumes for the type of things you guys are doing. And I know that's why a lot of the players come because they know uh, there's some good causes that are being affected throughout this event. One hundred percent. And uh, the, you know, we're pretty proud of the fact that since 2013, we've we've been able to generate not not right here in this local community uh mm-hmm. over 2.5 million dollars to support wow. um uh organizations that that desperately need it mm-hmm. uh or can supplement certain things that that the initiatives that they're trying to give back and i i always say you you give back to the community that you play in and we play here in Gwinnett County uh Atlanta Metro and um we want to give back to this community that supports the event and uh, that's a that's a huge. Um, it's always nice at the end of the year to close the books and start handing out checks because you've had a good year. And that's 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 what we want to do every single year is uh, close out our books to zero, give everything back to charity that we were able to uh, raise. And um, it, it's the players know it, the sponsors know it, uh, and it's a good feeling for us and, and the entire tournament staff to be able to do that at the end of the year. Now I'll be remiss. I know we, I know I got a lot of people who listen who are golfers, who are the weekend golfers. Uh, guy I do this podcast with, his name is uh, my man Scott Davison. He's a, a golfer himself. Um, I'm a golfer, as you know. A lot of people who listen are golfers. What's the best advice you give us weekend golfers when we're playing golf? Because everybody's not as good as you, Monty. I played with you before. I know your game. <laughs> I know how good you are. What is the advice you give us weekend golfers who maybe get out twice a week if we get out that much and play some golf? What's the best swing thoughts that we can have while playing? Well, I think the biggest thing is if you, if you don't if you're not if you're not able to go uh, and play consistently or at least go and practice, which again uh, the majority of us shoot. I'd like to practice more. You would too. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just tempo and and swing your swing mm-hmm. um and, and i look at it this way where a lot of guys uh, will play once or twice a month and get frustrated uh and try to tinker with a bunch of different things listen um you know you've got your own swing right. uh i can't tell you uh i'm not a golf coach but I, listen you're natural everybody's got their own swing right. play your swing right. uh and work on your tempo because if you try to over swing you try to play outside of that then um, you're just going to get in more trouble and, you know, don't get frustrated. It's yeah. a game. Uh, we're not, we're not playing this week, uh, on the PGA tour. So, it's so tough. if I'm going to put, <laughs> if I'm going to play for five, 10, 15, 20 bucks, that gets my, uh, blood raised, uh, rose up a little bit, but, uh, you know, listen, play your game, uh, play your swing, uh, and just, and just, I don't know. Just don't get frustrated. Well, first off, Monty, I I know you. I know you're not playing for five, ten, fifteen bucks because you got that in your in your left sock. So that's nothing. So I know uh, the games you playing a little bit more than that. But uh, uh, 
<laughs> I would love to know, man. Well, what are some of your favorite courses? Because uh, we watch all these crazy nice courses every single week on TV, and you're like, oh, I would love to be able to to play there or just see the course. Well, what are some courses that you would say are like must see venues or places that you've enjoyed going to see? Well, it, it's I, I get that question uh, often, and, and it's interesting because my responses are typically not golf courses that. Uh, you see on TV or uh, you hear of much. And, and, you know, I'll name a couple, but I I will reference a few that that are more notable. Um, You know, my favorite golf course, and I've only played it a handful of times, is uh, just north of Chattanooga. It's called the Honors Course. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a Pete Dye design, uh, and it's it's one of my favorites. Um, and, And so I would rank that on the top. Uh, there's there's a good collection of golf courses up in uh, Columbus area. Uh, the Golf Club, uh, another Pete Guy designed one of his first golf courses that he designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mirfield Village, uh, if, if if you're wanting to play uh, a course that that will just beat your brains in, uh, <laughs> if you're if you're not on, I mean the false fronts on that golf course is TV doesn't do, do it justice. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I've, I've missed the wrong end of a, an approach shot and had a 60 yard chip. Um, oh. so that's a tough one. Um, Jeez. and then I'll, I'll, I'll name one more too is, you know, the, probably one of the most notable, um, courses that, and it's not one of my favorites because I've never played it well. Uh-huh. Um, but TPC Sawgrass, um, Ooh, yeah. if you, if you have the opportunity to play it, um, you know, whether you've played it on Tiger Woods uh, or or you see on TV, yeah. it is a golf course that that is not forgiving, no. and it's designed that way. No. Um, no. It's not designed that way. But I will say this, DJ, uh, I have never shot over par on hole 17, and I've got one birdie. No way. So never put it in the water. I played, never put it in the water. I played there one time, and I played that Island Green one time, I parted, I got off, the caddy asked me, did I want to hit another one just because I was out here? I was like, no, I don't want to mess up my thought of anything else happening. I just say, I put it on there. And you know what, I, maybe, well, because when I left, they gave me a, a like a, a, a keychain of it and, you know, it shows your score on it and all this kind of stuff. So I thought uh-huh. it, was, it was pretty cool. So uh, it, it's cool to hear you say that and, and hear uh, a person who actually plays some good golf uh, have some struggles there because I, I thought I was the only one there. Um, no, I hear- it's, 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 it's one of, it's, it's, it's one of my, it's, how do I put it? When you get done playing at DJ yeah. and, and I don't know if you felt this way, you felt like you just went through the gauntlet Yeah, you're exhausted, and, and you're grinding over every shot and every yeah. putt because it's so, it just, it'll, it'll, it'll eat you up and spit you out, but it's, it's a really well-designed, good golf course and perfect for uh, the players, um, a great host venue. All right, brother. So we got the tour championship coming up this weekend. Uh, I know uh, you know a lot about what goes on over there. You played East Lake a bunch of times. What makes East Lake so tough? I, I know it's the rough and, you know, that grass gets really thick over there. You, you hit it anywhere outside of the fairway, you're in trouble. But from your point of view, what makes East Lake one of those just just outstanding courses, and there's a reason why it's the Tour Championship, but why is that course so hard but also so beautiful in one? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I have played it uh, several times, and I, 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 I always play it well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's always in really good conditions. Um, but the one thing that I that I think that this week is going to give some some challenges. You know, the rough they're saying they're trying to keep it at two and a half inches. Um, you know, I think they're going to going to get it up a little bit higher than that personally. But the greens, um, you know, the greens are going to so be uh, stimped out at like thirteen. Whew. And I think I think if you're going to if you're going to compete this week in and I've also heard that, you know, you can, you know, it favors the long ball hitter, just bang it up there, find it and, and, and go from there. But I think with the greens, um, you know, there's a lot of elevated greens where you can't elevated in the fact that it's almost like a turtle back. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. DJ? Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think, I think if you're, if you're not on with your approach shot, I think that's what, that's what guards it. Uh, the greens guard that golf course. Yeah. And, I, and, and if you think about it too, is, you know, it's a par 70 mm-hmm. and it's going to, it's going to play at 7,300 yards. Um, so I think, I think the combination of all that, I think the greens are going to be quick. Um, and and I, I think, you know, I'm not playing for 15 million or whatever it is that they're right. playing for this weekend. Right. But I think that that added pressure uh, kind of makes the fairways a little bit tighter. Oh man, uh, that hole a little bit smaller. Uh, yeah. But no, I think what guards it is the greens. Um, I really do. I All think right. it's the greens that 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 really guard it. All right. So you got an early favorite. You said this course is good for the long ball hitter. So in my mind, I'm thinking about like Dustin Johnson. I'm thinking like John Rahm. I'm thinking about guys like that who can really pound it. Who are your early favorites for the Tour Championship this week? Who walks away with the FedEx Cup in Monte Ortiz? Well, I'm going to get I'm 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 going to give you a sleeper, Uh-oh. and then I'm going to give you then I'm going to give you who I just the numbers don't the numbers just add up. But it's it's got to be this guy. Okay, I think the sleeper I think the sleeper is going to be I'll give you two. I think it's either Xander Shoffley. Oh, uh, he he never shot over par. He's oh. a little assassin. I mean, he is just. He's just a steady player, and he plays it well. Yeah. The, the other sleeper is going to be Webb Simpson. He took last week off. Oh, he and, did, and he, uh, he only dropped one spot. I saw that, yeah. That's exactly right, and I think he's going to be rested. I think his mind's going to be fresh, I and mean, he's been the most consistent player this whole year on the PGA Tour. Just, I mean, two wins, eight top tens, only played, I think, 13 or 14 events. So you're telling uh, me to bet my house on it. You're telling me bet my house on it. Web Simpson or Zan? I'm not saying I'm not saying to put a dollar anywhere, <laughs> DJ. That's your money. <laughs> but I think I think you know I think the fan favorite. I think the world number one. I think the the FedEx Cup leader and just the way his mind is built right now and yeah. momentum. I think it's going to go with Dustin. Uh, right. Dustin Johnson is going to going to walk away with it. I just that's my gut. How good that dude's played the last two weeks has been unreal. So if Either one of those guys win. You're gonna come back. You're gonna to have to give your uh your your your, your celebratory uh thank you speech for you know calling out the winner on next week's show. So we'll see. All right, Let- well, it's a safe bet. It's a safe bet, but <laughs> yeah. it's 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 the math doesn't lie. Yeah. And the way he's playing, it's 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 kind of a no brainer. But those are my two sleepers, though Xander Shoffley and Webb Simpson. Remember those two names. Gotcha. All right, before we let you go, Monty. Last thing is, I hear you're a lover of cars. Is that right? I hear you, you. You are a car junkie a little bit. Uh, what's your favorite car, man? Or if if you had if you could you had unlimited amounts of money and you could buy any car you wanted, what is your fantasy ideal car? 
Well, I mean, how can you not go with a Bugatti? Ooh, big money right there. I mean, you, you, you can get I mean, that now. You can get that now. I mean, I oh, no, but if you're talking, <laughs> I am. I am a lover of cars, but I think you know from from just if if you were to, I mean, from a practical, not even practical. It's not practical for for me, but <laughs> I think the probably probably the best lineup of of just from the way it's styled, the history. You can't go wrong wrong with the with the Ferrari, any Ferrari. Um, well, I think well, it's just will the three daughters fit in the so Ferrari? Weird. No, they probably won't fit in there. Will they? Uh, that's no. why. That's why I said it's not practical, <laughs> no matter what I say. Your wife, Amber, every single one, I'm going to say is two, two, two seats. <laughs> your, your wife Amber <laughs> would love it for date night, so she'd be like, "Yeah, let's ride out." That's right. That's <laughs> right. But no, I, I think I have. I've said this for years. Uh, if I win the the big jackpot at some point, I'm going to have a uh, garage full of cars. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, Monty, man, I appreciate you coming on, giving us some. Uh, your golf knowledge, of course, a big weekend, but also talking about all the great things that are happening with the Mitsubishi Electric Classic and looking forward to that coming back next year for sure. Uh, I know it was tough not to have it this year and all, but I know we're looking forward to, you know, big things happening, and I appreciate you joining us today, man. DJ, I appreciate it, and uh, all the best to you. All right, Monty. Thanks, man. Take care. Be safe, brother. All right. Thank you. Monty Ortega, man, coming through with some some pretty cool uh, stories, man. He talked about all the fun things we like to hear when it comes to the Tour Championship and who's going to win. So maybe I put some on my man Xander Shoffley, man. But uh, we appreciate Monty coming on and giving us some great insight into the golf world and what it takes to run a particular event. Continue to subscribe, man. We're on Google. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify, man. You can find us everywhere. You can find us on our YouTube page as well. Continue to share. Continue to tell people. We appreciate you tuning in every single week to the Triple Threat Podcast. From my man, Scotty D, I'm DJ Shockley. This has been the Triple Threat Podcast. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.